I wish that more people knew about us, mm. to be honest. And I wish that we we could find more folks that were interested in being foster parents yeah. because I know there's people out there just in talking with like the folks that I come into contact with. Right. There's always someone that says, Oh, you know, my mom would be great at that or my neighbor or, you know, this and that. And so I know there's incredible people in this valley. There's a place in Southern Oregon filled with gorgeous natural beauty, friendly yet independent people, and a mild, comfortable climate. That place is called Grants Pass. These are the stories of the people that live and work in Josephine County. These are the movers and shakers that make this place the best. This is Grants Pass VIP. Sarah Hollingworth is a licensed professional counselor, or LPC, in the state of Oregon. She's been with Kairos for five years and in the mental health field for 15. As the program director of Jackson Services at Kairos's Medford branch, Sarah oversees outpatient, treatment foster care, and crisis respite services. She's passionate about serving our community, specifically youth living with mental health challenges and their families. Sarah, welcome to Grants Pass VIP. Thanks for having me. So, where would people know you from? Other than my work with Kairos, perhaps from softball. I play softball in Grants Pass two nights a week, so they might recognize me from there. But yeah, I'm not an uh, Oregon native, so I don't think many folks around here would know me uh, outside of my work and that play. Sure. Play arena, yeah. How did you end up in the area? That's a good question. Uh, my <laughs> my parents and my brother moved here while I was uh, completing my undergraduate degree in California, and I missed them because they're my only family in the States, and so I moved to Medford after I graduated, and then um, very quickly decided that Medford wasn't the place for me as a, as a recently 21-year-old at that time, <laughs> and so I went to Portland for a few years. I got my graduate degree there. Um, and then after I'd spent so you, almost a decade up there, I decided I was ready for a slower pace and to be closer to family again. So I came back to Medford in 2017 oh, and wow. yeah, I've been here since. Fabulous. So why do you choose to live and work here? Um, I love the Rogue Valley. I just really enjoy, uh, you know, the seasons. I, I love that we sort of have every, every piece of nature you could possibly want. I like being outdoors. Um, you know, so it's like we got the ocean, we got mountains, you know, it's like everything you could, you could want, bodies of water. <laughs> and, uh, and it's a unique population to serve. So I'm very invested. Again, like I, I play sports and so I'm pretty invested in my, my sports community. Um, and I just, I love the work culture at Kairos. It's, uh, the mission and vision of this agency is what really sort of brought me here of all of the places that I could have applied. I only applied to Kairos because that's where I wanted to work. And I just, I love the folks that I work with. So they're the ones that keep me here. To be honest, I feel like there's been a few times that I'm like, I could go anywhere, <laughs> but I, I continue to show up and want to be here because because of the leadership and because of my team, honestly, at Jackson here. Oh, that's excellent. That, that's really cool. So what is your day-to-day -day look like for you? What, what type of things are you involved in? That's one of the nice things about my job, actually, is my days look very different. Yeah, I mean, it can be 
it's usually a slew of meetings. I mean, my job is not very exciting in that sense. I'm not doing direct care anymore, which is a bummer, but I oversee all the direct care. I get to supervise, you know, our leadership here at Jackson um, and participate in upper leadership meetings as far as like the whole agency. So Mm -hmm. it's nice, you know, to sort of have a a bit of a hand in our other programs, even though we're spread across the state. And I'm obviously in charge of Jackson here in Medford and Grants Pass, but it's nice to be in touch with, you know, Coos Bay, Lane County, um, all the way up to Salem, right? And so it's, that's pretty cool. But at other day-to-day things, you know, it's usually meetings, lots of meetings, mm-hmm. um, you know, community engagement, uh, outreach, that type of thing. If I have the pleasure of doing some direct care, sometimes I'll cover an intake um, or I'll get to shadow, you know, some of my supervisees in their sessions and whatnot. So that's usually my day to day. Oh, neat. How did you end up in this field? Was this already something uh, that you were studying for? Is, is that what led you here? I actually knew when I was I was about 13. I was like, this is what I want to do. And I'm going to figure out, you know, what I need to do to, to go and do it. And so, yeah, I picked Sonoma State because... I liked their program, so it's a liberal arts college. I'm not a great test taker, and I'm not (laughs) great at math, go figure. (laughs) Um, And I chose their program because um, their faculty was very diverse, and they have what's called the Hutchins program, which is basically, it's very, uh, like, reading and essay writing heavy, and very limited on the test taking. (laughs) And so that's where I got my degree in psychology, um, and... Yeah, and then I decided to go to Lewis and Clark for my graduate degree because I moved to Oregon. I think I had plans to go to a different college or a different university for my graduate degree in California, but because my family brought me to Oregon, Lewis and Clark was, you know, sort of the second part of the journey there, which was great. It's, again, it's very um, social justice oriented. I loved Portland. And yeah, it just made me fall in love with Oregon and kept me here, which kind of brought me back to Southern Oregon, which I've really enjoyed. So yeah, it's been quite the journey, but (laughs) lots of good stuff in there and everything. Like I worked residential in undergrad and then I worked for like a private pay organization and Mm -hmm. actually ran a grant funded program for elders, which was really unique in Portland and then came here and now I'm working with kids. So I get to work with sort of a little bit of everybody and... Yeah, and now overseeing a program which I didn't expect to do. I I wouldn't have pegged me, you know, at this point in my career to be in a director role. I just kind of fell into it here. But I'm, again, I'm loving it. I love my team. I think we're doing incredible work together. I mean, they're doing the hard work. I just try to create the environment that helps them (laughs) thrive, right? That's my job, essentially. But, yeah. Oh, that's exciting. Why Kairos? Why did you know so early on? You know, what was your introduction to them and and what makes them special? Yeah, um, I knew nothing about the Valley, honestly. I didn't know anything about any of the organizations and just in sort of like looking where was hiring and then looking at their websites and learning a little bit about their, you know, mission statements and their stated values. Kairos really stood out to me because of what their stated values are and the way that we sort of brand our programs. We're very youth focused and like family centered and that's important to me. And honest, I actually applied here at Jackson to be a therapist. This is where I started. 
and I love the team approach. So I've, I just feel like that's so unique. It's, it's a rare thing, at least in California, sort of where I started mm -hmm. to hear, to see providers working collaboratively, both together within the organization, as well as outside with community partners. It's innovative and it seems so straightforward. Like why aren't other people doing yeah. this? Right. Yeah. And, it, and that's so true, but I just feel like it's, it's a trailblazer move and Kairos has honed it and for every program, everything that, that we do, we do well because we do it together. And I think that's a big part of our culture. So that's what brought me here. And ultimately that's what has kept me here. So I got hired as a therapist here at Jackson Services. I left this program to run the treatment foster care program. And then we actually integrated the treatment foster care program into Jackson. And I came back to Jackson. Mm -hmm. um, and then through, you know, a few folks making lateral moves and some changes in staffing, I ended up in, in the director role overseeing both programs, oh, wow. which is excellent. But um, yeah, ultimately that I would say it is it is our culture. It's the fact that we all, everyone that gets hired here and, and stays here um, is coming from that very like family-centered, person-centered approach. And regardless of what like theoretical orientation or background they're mm -hmm. coming from, we can all sort of meet each other there and just create this, this culture of collaboration that I love. Oh, right on. That's great. Yeah. It's great. So how does that affect you think the end user? So the, the person that's coming in and receiving services, what are they getting different at Kairos that they won't get at other places? Honestly, I feel like what we strive for is a culture of authenticity. So it's like from the moment they walk in, right, we're hoping that we're creating a space that's safe where they know that they're valued and they're going to be seen and have their voice heard, that their voice is driving treatment. So it's like, you know, we're not here to sort of sit on our high horse and tell you as the professionals how to run your life or how to solve your problems. We're here to sort of partner with you, you know, to give you whatever services off our menu of options fit your needs. Mm -hmm. And then to work with you towards your stated goals in a way that makes sense, right? And we've actually, um, Jackson is piloting right now. We're in our, we just completed our first year, which is very exciting. This new model called Feedback Informed Treatment. And it's basically just a, a standardized way that we're soliciting feedback from our youth and families through these two standardized like four item questionnaires essentially hmm. that we administer no more than once a week, but it's every time that we see folks, we're asking them like to rate their global distress and then to rate how they feel like the team is doing mm -hmm. so that we're getting, you know, in real time an up to date sort of accurate reflection of how they feel like they're doing and are they getting better? And if not, why not? And then we're pivoting in real time, right? So we're making changes to, how we're delivering services to the team, if that's appropriate, to the frequency of services, whatever makes the most sense. Um, and then similarly, if something's not going well with the team, right, if they're not connecting with a team member, we can address that quickly. And so I feel like um, that helps us really tailor services in a way that's much more transparent, that really is getting at our mission statement of like being client-centered. Um, and I hope that that feels good to folks, that they feel valued, that they feel like, you know, that we care in, in a way that we're not only willing to sort of say that we're going to be vulnerable and be with them in the moment, but we're showing them, right? Mm -hmm. Like we're actually asking them for that information and then applying it and do something, something with it. So 
I think that's been a pretty big shift that has had some positive results so far. And I, I certainly think makes us more effective as well over time. And how long did you say you've been doing that? So just this month actually was uh, our implementation month. Oh, wow. So it's been a year this oh, month, which is very exciting. So there's still definitely still kinks we're working out yeah. and, you know, things that we're working through. But um, but yeah, I mean, as far as consistency and um and the quality of care, I think that it's helped tremendously. And now we're working on rolling it out in other programs in the agency. So we're hoping to get to the point where all the programs are utilizing this model. Um, and again, I think it just streamlines things and, and very much connects to that that mission, vision, and values that we, you know, it's our why. Why yeah. do we do this? So, yeah. Cool. What type of people could best use Kairos' services? What situation would people find themselves in where they would come to you? Yeah. Um, I mean, it depends on the program, right? So for Jackson, um, so we have basically three programs under one roof. And so our outpatient services, I would say, you know, anyone, anyone that's experiencing, you know, sort of any level of distress that is above that of just living life, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we all walk around here with sort of a typical amount of distress just from living our lives. Um, and I would say, and given that, anyone could benefit from outpatient services. But typically, you know, I would say our outpatient folks are, you know, if there's if there's been a death in the family, you know, if there's been a change in family circumstances, you know, kids are struggling at school, these types of, um, you know, maybe behavioral or social challenges, they're going to benefit the most from our outpatient care. And they can walk in anytime during our, our walk-in hours and be seen same day. We'll get them signed up. We'll get them, you know, again, assigned those services that make the most sense. Mm -hmm. And they're off to the races. Our treatment foster care program is for folks that are sort of beyond that. So their level of distress is higher than someone that could benefit from outpatient services. And these are folks that have been removed from their home environment, whatever that might be. So whether that's their first home, right, like biological family or a foster placement or both. And so these are folks that are, you know, we sort of consider them to be like in care. They're mm -hmm. in, in the system. Um, typically DHS and or a guardian have split jurisdiction or just DHS has jurisdiction. They're usually experiencing higher levels of like behavioral challenges. Yeah. So, you know, typically we might see aggression, um, you know, some academic challenges or delays, sometimes some sexualized behaviors, you know, uh, and typically most of this is linked to uh, trauma in early mm -hmm. childhood and sometimes exposure to substances in utero, right? So uh, those are the folks that can benefit the most from our TFC program. And they would be placed in one of our certified foster homes, uh, which, you know, we're always in looking out for foster parents, folks mm -hmm. that are, are willing to learn more about, about opening their home to a child in need. So yeah, if there's folks that are maybe th their children are older or um, or they don't have children, but they've wanted, you know, they want to give back and help mm -hmm. kids. These are great, you know, great folks to consider doing this work. We, we train our folks, they get, uh, you know, pretty in-depth training through us. 
Um, we certify them, so make sure like everything in the home is safe and ready for the kids, and then we provide a lot of ongoing support. They get round-the-clock on-call support. Um, they get uh, a, a supervisor through us who, who's sort of their point person if they have questions, um, if they're you know having any kind of challenges with the system, that's like their, their guide through it. Um, they get monthly trainings, and then they get uh, a monthly stipend as well. So they get $19.50 a month that's uh, non-taxable. It's a reimbursement for the work that they're doing with the child and the care that they're providing. The kids get placed in these stable homes. We provide the treatment. So we typically you know, are prescribing a higher frequency of care than a typical outpatient youth would receive. And we also do that, that very wraparound type of collaborative support. So we do monthly meetings with the whole care team. So this can include like teaching support staff. It can include any other outside providers like mentors or CASAs or you know other mm-hmm. folks that serve the youth. We're going to bring them all to the table and really make sure we're all on the same page, which hopefully takes the burden off the foster parents to have to navigate all of that as well. So yes, so that's a little bit about sort of got into the weeds a little bit there. With no, you, but, no, that's uh, good. So yeah, so I mean, that's how we serve our foster families as well as the, the youth in care. Mm-hmm. And then our, our respite services uh, actually serve both levels. So our crisis respite home is called Interval. It's here in Medford, but can serve anyone in Jackson or Josephine County. And basically that can provide planned respite for like our outpatient youth. So this is just uh, sometimes folks that, that receive outpatient services through us don't have a lot of natural supports. So, you know, I mean, I think about when I was young, when my parents needed a break from me, they'd send me to my grandparents' house, yeah. right? Um, a lot of our folks, you know, they don't have extended family members and whatnot. So this is sort of that same feeling. They get to create a relationship with trusted adults right they can go regularly and get that break it's good for them because they can have some skills coaching while they're there it's good for parents right who can maybe get a date night or just a break Mm -hmm. you know they can do that laundry that they've been needing to do or pamper themselves whatever they need Um, and then we also provide crisis respite this can be for sometimes for our tfc kids that are struggling and maybe need like emergency respite and we didn't have a chance to plan it so they could go use interval. It's also for um, outpatient use that are maybe escalating. You know, maybe they've had to be admitted to the hospital um, and they're waiting on a placement and they just need a break from their home environment. They can also have like a crisis respite stay at interval before perhaps um, going to a higher level of care or finding a different placement if that's needed. Mm. Um, so yeah, so that's sort of the bridge almost between wow. both of these levels of care that we serve. Okay, let's take a break from that conversation. I wanted to bring up a question for you. During these crazy times, do you feel like your business is indestructible? Most people don't. And if not, the real question is why? And what can you do to make it as indestructible as possible? Well, that's the basis of my new book, Nine Ways to Amazon Proof Your Business. I'm going to talk about the second way, which is called being consistent. I cover this all in chapter two. 
And I'm not talking about being consistent in a very generic way. I'm talking about specifically being consistent in your communications with your customers, not just customers you're looking to have, but customers you've already had and getting them to know, like, and trust you. Now you could be doing this through paid advertising, but you could also be doing it organically through social media, via videos, via blog posts, via podcasts like this, getting out there so that people can get to know, like, and trust you so that when they do become customers, they don't just become customers that enjoy and love your products or services. They know, like, and trust you as a person. That's a value they can't get from big companies. I also have eight other ways to Amazon proof your business. Basically the idea of making it competition proof to even someone as big as amazon.com. So if you'd like to get your hands on a free copy of my book, go to amazonproofbook.com. Dot com. Sign up and you will get a free copy and get the chance to purchase a physical copy of it for a special price. In addition to that, if you happen to be in the Josephine County area or nearby and you're looking to have a speaker come and discuss these type of issues with your organization, club, or group of friends, then I have a limited calendar that I may be able to fit you into. Go check out brianjpombo.com slash speaking and fill out the application. We'll be sure and get back to you on that. And now let's get back to our show. Wow, that's fabulous. There's a lot lot going on there, a lot of moving parts. Yes, that is a very accurate statement. (laughs) What are you most encouraged or excited about right now with what you do on a daily basis? Recently, I've been most encouraged by the graduations from our treatment foster care program. So over the summer, we actually graduated our entire census. So all of our kids successfully graduated the program, which is actually really rare that we get to see kids all the way through. A Mm -hmm. lot of times kids struggle, you know, sometimes they need a higher level of care and that's hard, right? Or we're just not the right fit. You know, we're not arrogant enough to to believe that we're going to be the right fit for everybody. And so maybe they go to a different program. Yeah, it's just, that's been super encouraging to basically see, you know, six kids make it through mm-hmm. our program, which is intensive, you know, not going to lie. They have to put in a lot of work and, and they did. And then to see them sort of take that next step towards permanency. And so the bulk of them actually stepped down with the foster parents, which is also just really encouraging because to me, that means um, like we did our jobs well, right? The foster parents did an incredible job at creating this lasting bond and creating safety for those kids. And it's like, that's our mission, right? Like that's, that's that family living our mission, in Mm. my opinion, where it's like, we're creating opportunities for wellness and like these safe and stable environments that are just, it's a beautiful thing to see, right? And to see these kids being so resilient and yeah, just opening up and learning and, you know, (laughs) sort of just becoming these, these little adults, these young adults, you know? So yeah, I just, that's been amazing to watch and then also having the privilege of a few of them have stayed local and we've been able to serve them through outpatient so that we get to see their sort of ongoing Mm -hmm. journey in the next phase which again is um that's a rare gem in this field that you get to work with kids and see them succeed uh quite often you know we just sort of tell ourselves that story Mm -hmm. right it's like i did what i could in this very brief interval that i got to work with them Mm -hmm. And then I'm just going to tell myself that they're doing well out there in the world, you know? So that's been really exciting to 
just get to witness. And even though I'm not doing the work, just to sort of know that that's happening and see my team doing that work is pretty beautiful because I, I did get to work with some of them when they first started. Oh, and so it's sort of like yeah. the shared the shared experience with the, the providers that got to finish the journey mm-hmm. with them. So, yeah, it's been lovely. Wow, that's, that's, that's great. If there's one thing you can change about what you do or the, the structure or anything else, what would that one thing be? My answer to that is always going to be, I wish the state gave us more money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wish the state paid what, you know, the amount of money that is needed to do this work at its best quality. Mm-hmm. I think we do quality work at the rates that we're given, but that would, you know, impact things across the board. But I think beyond that and away from money, cause that's, you know, not the whole story. I wish that more people knew about us mm-hmm. to be honest. And I wish that we, we could find more folks that were interested in being foster parents yeah. because I know there's people out there just in talking with like, the folks that I come into contact with, right? There's always someone that says, oh, you know, my mom would be great at that or my neighbor or, you know, this and that. And so I know there's incredible people in this valley and I just, yeah, it's like we've we've really tried to sort of expand our audience, right? For with commercials and radio ads and mm-hmm. newspapers and buses and all these things to try to get the word out. And I just always feel like we're not quite reaching the right audience and I'm not I'm not quite sure how to do that so it's it's this constant like pivoting act that yeah. I'm doing to try to find those folks because we did just lose a lot of our foster parents um and success stories they, yeah. they stepped down they created you know lifelong homes for these kids and it's beautiful um and I wouldn't change it but now it's like and we need to cultivate new homes so we can continue that legacy for new and incoming youth that need it yeah because there's definitely still still a massive need in the state you know so i think that's probably the the one thing i wish i could change is just to somehow reach those folks that i think would be great at it and then give them the support so they can do the great work that they do has there been any reach out effort that you think has been extremely successful in in terms of I mean, just using your example, we put them on the side of the bus and boy, that really brought the people. I mean, was there, has there been anything like that, that has, that has uh, been able to bring, bring in the right people? Not since COVID. Yeah. COVID really changed the landscape, uh, which I totally get, right? It's, it's scary to bring strangers into your home, you know, sort of post pandemic or still amidst a pandemic, Mm -hmm. right? I absolutely understand that fear because it is a lot of people, right? I mean, it's it's our team, it's the kids, it's their team. It's you're you're definitely opening yourself up to this new bubble mm-hmm. of individuals that you don't know yet, right? And um, and that can be really scary, especially you know if folks have you know some underlying condition or are older or whatnot, and you know are in those vulnerable populations. But yeah, so that's that's been the challenge. We've never yeah. struggled before, folks would find us usually, to be honest, we would spend very little on advertising pre-COVID, but it's been a real struggle. I think, you know, we've had a few folks outreach and we've had a few that have gone through the process with us. Pre-pandemic, we were having, you know, a couple, we sort of were doing trainings multiple times a year and, you know, we just never really had a shortage. It wasn't something we really thought about. Mm -hmm. 
And so we've actually used grant funds that we got because of COVID, which is great. The state recognized there was a need. And so we've, we put a lot of money into advertising over the last sort of mm-hmm. year, year and a half. Um, and, and we did, you know, get some interest. I would say maybe the t- we put TV ads out there. Uh, we had TV ads and radio ads running. And we got a little bit of interest around that, but nowhere near what I would expect with sort yeah. of that level of, um, of targeted advertising. And I think that's just the landscape we're in right now. If someone's listening and they either know somebody or they themselves would like to find out more mm-hmm. about doing the foster care, what would the steps be for them? They can check out our website. So if, you know, sort of low stakes, you don't have mm-hmm. to talk to a human if you don't want to. <laughs> our website is Kairos, so K-A-I-R-O-S-N-W, which stands for Northwest.com. Um, it's got all the information on there. You know, you can look at all of our programs, but specifically you could look at Jackson and check out the TFC uh, page. It's got information about becoming a foster parent or a respite provider. So we have both of those options. So if someone was like, Hey, I'd be interested in that, but I'm maybe not sure about taking on a youth long-term, a respite provider basically does the same work, but on a short-term basis, you can still create these lasting bonds with, with youth. It's really important work. These kids need breaks and they need breaks with people that are going to be consistent and are going to sort of align with Kairos's mission, vision and values. Mm -hmm. Right. So yeah, either or and a lot of folks like to start off as respite only that's my recommendation actually um, and do that for a short time just to sort of get a feeling for what it's like and then they they might accept a more permanent placement so all the information's on the website our contact information as well as the application is on there and then if folks have any additional questions they can they can either reach out through the website which is via email or they can give us a call that'd be great Fabulous. And if people want to find out anything more about Kairos, I imagine they can find most of that on the website. Yeah, the website's uh, kept up to date. Um, And like I said, yeah, if folks have questions, uh, there's a, you know, a way to contact us through there and that gets filtered out to the correct program. So you're getting a response from the right person. So yeah, if you have any questions about, you know, our services here at Jackson, that would come to me. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much. This has been very educational for me. I knew a a little about Kairos, but not as much as you've been able to to fill in a lot of the gaps and everything. Sarah, thanks so much for being on Grants Pass VIP. Thank you so much for having me. You never really know what to expect when going into an office who mainly handle mental health right? We had James Ramirez on from NAMI on the show earlier. And it's an interesting topic because it's one of those that has so much mystery and honestly darkness around it because oftentimes you're never in that situation where you have to find help unless there's a problem. There's a very obvious an in-your-face problem with you or with a loved one. But, but here's the cool thing, is that in meeting Sarah, I found that a very pleasant, easygoing, and positive atmosphere that she puts out and the people that I met working over at Kairos. 
That's so important. And I, I don't really know how they do it when you're faced with so much conflict on a day-to-day basis. You're faced with people really having issues that really need help. But if you can see people getting help, I could see how that could be really useful too. If you're in a situation where you think you need help or you know someone that would need help, highly recommend getting in touch with good people out there, good people like Sarah. Join us again on the next Grants Pass VIP, brought to you by the team at brianjpombo.com. Helping movers and shakers in Southern Oregon and beyond stand out. That's B-R-I-A-N-J-P-O-M-B-O.com. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest or a sponsor on Grants Pass VIP, go to grantspassvip.com forward slash contact. Guests who appear on the show do not necessarily endorse the opinions of the host or sponsors. The theme music is Fun Shot by Kevin McLeod. Our host is a Grants Pass resident and business strategist, Brian Pombo. I'm executive producer, Shawnee Douglas. Until next time, live rogue and have fun.